Yeah, Tommy, it's oh, fine. Yes, we are. Oh, we were? <laughs> I started about the time I started looking for Nick Cage. <laughs> no. Can you imagine a book narrated by Nick Cage? Like, actually, he might yes. actually do okay. I could see him doing Depending well. on the book. Um, like a Tom Clancy or something? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I could see Tom Clancy one. Yeah. But it's kind of weird, the like, notebook. after my bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I would pay money to listen to him just narrate the notebook. There Fifty my, Shades of Grit. That reminds me of that video. Oh. Gilbert Gottfried reads, um... Fifty Shades, 50 shades of, of Grit. Yeah. Oh. I, think, I think it would have the same vibe. I grabbed her... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I've seen Gilbert Gottfried read other things. Oh. Nick Cage reads Twilight. <laughs> Aaron? Um, Gilbert Godfrey and Nick Cage, now at the same time with two separate recordings, read My Immortal. Oh, I need, that, ugh. <laughs> I need a dramatic reading. Oh my god. I'm actually looking forward to like the short story. Mm-hmm. I like I haven't participated in the 800 messages coming through the semi-bookish <laughs> Google Hangouts chat. You're welcome. You didn't ignore us. No, I didn't. <laughs> I almost posted a GIF, but I didn't. Which, you know, it would be a lot easier if someone would jump on the Discord now that they've got a good phone. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> they do. <laughs> sure. Man, I'm glad we got this popcorn. <laughs> do we get to it? <laughs> So, good afternoon, everyone. It sounds kind of weird to say, like, good afternoon versus good morning, everyone, in my pseudo schmarmy, would be romantic accent. But, but <laughs> that's not the that vibe I picked it? up on <laughs> but the previous time. <laughs> Welcome to Semi Bookish. This is episode 19 in the books. And, give, right? Given that we're, if, just as it, there was a little hint to what we're talking about. Um, narrating books. It is Audiobook Appreciation Month, and that's what we're talking about today. But first, we gotta get down to business. To defeat Ooh. the Huns? <laughs> yes! Oh, wow! Yes! She was red. Every time I hear it! <laughs> you know, the worst part is I really thought about singing it. <laughs> I don't want the reference. Mulan. Oh! Dishonor on you! Okay. Dishonor on your cow! <laughs> Dishonor on your cow! <laughs> Wait, who voiced that one? Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, it's been a while. Um, um, Bushu? Bushu. It was Bushu. Yeah. Of course he was. Donny Osmond was the singing voice for uh, uh, Let's I'll Make a Man Out of You. Oh, so oh, he okay. sang singing voice? Yes, at least on like the CD version. But no, it's not talking about Disney movies I'll and take it. voice Dang. actors. We'll get there. What are we reading? Anthony, you want to go first? You haven't gone first in a while. What am I reading? Um, uh, um... I am reading, but rather slowly. Um, A Brief Wondrous Life, or no, The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow by Juno Diaz. (coughs) Um, It's good so far. Um, It's surprising, actually, that it's a Pulitzer Prize winner because they don't like, the impression that I get from the Pulitzer Committee is that they don't like to award voicey books, and this one's very, very voicey. Um, but I like it. It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Word. Pick someone. Jen! What are you reading? <laughs> I am currently reading 
Sunrise by the Sea by Jenny Colgan, which just came out yesterday as of the time we were recording. I'm about halfway through, and it's making my heart so happy. I love being back at the little bakery in Cornwall on the island with my main man, Neil the Puffin. <laughs> it's just, it's the summer vibes that you need in a book. Yeah. Well, foreshadowing to the, another podcast. Yes. Mm. Uh, but we're not there yet, so Andy. I'm actually, I, for a minute, I thought I was not listening to an audiobook. Excuse me, listeners, I have popcorn in my mouth. I couldn't wait for the fight to erupt. But I am, as a matter of fact, listening to Dandelion Wine by, and I can't remember who the narrator is, I'd have to look it up, and I'll do it later. But I'm listening to Dandelion Wine, Ray Bradbury. I'm also reading The Tao of Wu by the Riza, and Seance Tea Party by Ray Mina Yi. Yes! Have you read it? That's the one I recommended to you. Oh, it's kind of The graphic part. novel. It's feel like forever little, ago. Yeah, the little girl with the ghost friend. It's really cute. I'm really enjoying it. I was so happy. <laughs> oh, nice. Lord Ish. Yes. Um, so I'm currently reading uh, Serpent Catch by Dave Wolverton. Um, I was really impressed by the last book I read of his. It kind of hit that perfect spot of like dark thoughtful sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another sci-fi novel, but it's more, honestly, it's more of a rip-roaring adventure type situation. Oh, sure. It has a really interesting premise where way in the future, um, we create this zoo world with these three large continents. Each one is populated with uh, species from different time periods. Um, oh. And we kind, of fo- we kind of follow this society of Neanderthals that have kind of joined with humans that have retreated onto the planet itself. And anyways, they have to go on a whole journey to kind of save their continent. So hmm, it's, right. really, it's really fun so far. Yeah. Hmm. Aaron. Aaron. Me. Uh, so in the spirit of audiobook month, because we from our conversation at the desk on Monday, which a lot of mm-hmm. people won't know about, but where I was, I, I said that I didn't really listen to audiobooks all that much because of things that I had to listen to in high school and they were boring. Um, I decided to grab, and I'm listening to it on Libby, uh, The Mysterious Disappearance of Aiden S. by David Leviathan. It's a juvenile fiction book, but... Yeah. It's his first book, <sighs> Man. Okay, Anthony what, told what? me to... They're in their feelings about it. Anthony told me to tell them how I felt when I was reading it, and it's good. That was a good... Oh. <gasps> Yeah, okay. So it's a good David Levithan book. Yes. So for those who don't know, I like books that make me want to throw things out windows. Um, I and like that. this is definitely giving me those vibes. That's David um, for you. The storyline is there's a kid named Aiden, and he has just randomly just disappeared. Nobody knows where he's gone. Nobody knows how hmm. he's run away or gotten kidnapped, and nobody knows where he is. And this is all told from the perspective of his younger brother mm-hmm. instead of Aiden himself. And so I'm about maybe about a fourth of the way in because there's like 45 chapters. I'm in like 15. Yeah. But all of a sudden, like, as they're looking for Aiden, like a week later, he just appears <laughs> again. And he just like pops back into the world. Um, and... His younger brother finds him, and it turns out that he's gone to some... No, he, he's got the story that he's gone to, like, this Narnia-esque place. Mm. I yeah. say this quite literally as he's telling the story as he opened up the dresser, and he's just gone through, and he oh, thought wow. 
he asked, literally asked his brother, like, how long have I been gone? And he said six days. And he kind of had this, like, wait, what? Like, I've been gone that long type situation mm-hmm. oh, about that's it. that's interesting. And <clears throat> I haven't gotten that far in yet. But when I was, where I stopped, left off, because this is like a four-hour book, um, he was, like, trying to tell the police and his parents what was going on. And he was literally telling his parents, and I feel this in the depths of my heart for a 12-year-old, he's saying, you won't believe me, even if I tell you, because his story is so nonsensical that you're not going to believe him. Mm -hmm. And his parents all of a sudden just kind of, like, harp on him, like... Stop lying to the policeman, even though his brother knows he's telling the truth and Aiden knows he's telling the truth. Yeah. And so it's very, like, argumentative at the beginning, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to throw hands for this 12-year-old, guys. (laughs) Meanwhile, like... Aaron's got a child now. Yeah, apparently I have a child. His name's Aiden. Congratulations. (laughs) But, like, he he, his younger brother, Lucas, asks him, he's like, where were you when... Aiden tells him, but, like, he doesn't really remember telling him because he was in kind of, like, a I just got back, I am so, like, out of nowhere mm-hmm. type human shape. Mm-hmm. And he tells his parents, and they proceed to tell Aiden, like, what about this place that his brother just mentioned? And then throws his brother under the bus. <laughs> what? To tell Aiden that his brother mentioned it to them. And I'm like, oh, uh. the chapters really leave you off with a lot of cliffhangers. Well, with the way that it's written, as they should, because they'll go to like through one full chapter and it's maybe about like a good five minutes long, and then the next chapter is literally just like a little blurb, and the little blurb is like, oh yeah, that's like you a are little, reading a David Levinson. Book. Yeah, but yeah. it's like actually really good, and I think Anthony would actually like it. So I'll have to look it up because I, as you're talking, I looked at the narrator Everett Plen. He does pretty good job in my opinion so far mm-hmm. i was kind of confused at first and it wasn't until i went and looked at the ebook version mm-hmm. um the way that it's set up is none of his voice doesn't really like change inflection wise and i realize we're gonna talk about narrators later on mm-hmm. but like <laughs> yeah this, this, this is um, it's relative yeah. yeah his voice doesn't really like change inflection tone wise like you never really hear him change character yeah mm-hmm. um especially in the beginning but it wasn't until i looked on later on that like the way that it's written, he's not changing character at all anyways. Because it's all told through the... It's all told through the younger brother, <clears throat> but, like, even when they're actually having dialogue, he doesn't exactly, like, change inflection tones to reflect, like, this is the mom talking, this is... Yeah, you were showing me, it's not so much, it's not, like, dialogue, it's, like, recapping, Yeah, like, it's like the, like, the question in italics, and then the rest of the explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like but, he's remembering being asked it and then going through it in his head again yeah. or something like that. Hmm. Which, you know, that's, that is kind of a, a, a... You know I like to hate on him. I like to be, like, overly, you know, exaggerative about Jim Dale. <laughs> if if only you could hear <laughs> the Anthony's eyelids flutter like they I'm, were. I kind of fluttered. thought you were having a seizure for a minute. Like oh, I was a little no. afraid for your health. Sorry. Like, I, like, check, I, his, I, check his blood rate. <laughs> um, pulse. But okay, Jim Dale. He, he's phenomenal. Whatever. He has a good yeah. voice by himself. But the minute he starts to do characters, at least in the first two Harry Potter books, 
I did not care. The minute he voiced Hermione specifically, oh good, I'm grief. done. Like I was like ridiculous, and get out of here. Um, not real, really. I. It was trash. I don't know. I think. I. Okay, I guess. I just feel like. Hermione's not a very easy character to voice if you're a man. But he agreed. <laughs> but he's one of those people like I, I he could have done something better, especially since he's as well lauded and as talented as he really is. Yeah, but he's well lauded for those books, you realize. God, Before that, Jim Dale was Because people don't know nobody. what they're talking about. And then he did those. But you realize that like the number of people who've mm-hmm. listened to like their exclusive experience of the Harry Potter series is through the Jim Dale like reading it to them that it's like it's huge so they can't all be wrong dear listeners <laughs> if you listen to Harry Potter and you like Jim Dale you're wrong I'm sorry we are at 143 East Mommy <laughs> fight me <laughs> Um, but please tell us when you're coming because the rest of us want to watch. I, have, I, mean, I, I only listened to Deathly, like the first half of Deathly Hallows because I was like I need to read the rest of this to myself okay he might have actually improved um, the situation by that what? I, 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 maybe I guess the I only mean, reason I bring it they're up they're not is, difficult to read well they, they kind of do all the work for you there's nothing sophisticated about reading a Harry Potter book if, as an audiobook narrator are you an audiobook narrator no I'm just saying as, a, <laughs> as an actor who does vocal stuff and right. he reads aloud like it's the work is there it's like oh okay Literally, Hagrid's voice is written out. <laughs> you don't need to try. <laughs> Man, I'm so glad that Anthony brought his popcorn. <laughs> did you, I, I already finished my popcorn, so I, I might have to steal some if we get into a fight. I don't know. I think you're asking for nuance in a place where there's no no nuance. I mean, it's just, it's, you know. I mean, I'm trying to think one of the earliest audiobooks I've listened to start, from fin- start to finish, and it was uh, The Girl in the Spider's Web. Oh, the... Is that one of those... It's not the Stieg Larsson. It was, like, the continuation after he passed away. I think it was book four in the Lisbeth Salander series. And um, that's the main character, if you haven't read it. No, I haven't. And when he voiced her, like, when you you see her in the the films, every, like, version of the film, you know, she's she's different, the character Lisbeth. She's different, but they don't portray her as weak by any... Like, she's never weak. Mm. Never. And, like, when this narrator, I can't remember who it is right off, but I was like, oh, God, it's awful. If I didn't have a lengthy commute, I would have stopped listening to it. But Aww. he made her seem like a very fragile, weak, even, I don't know how to just... What book is this? Um, Girl in the Spider's Web. <laughs> like, I don't even want to know his name to, like, re- <laughs> legitimize that poor audiobook narration. It makes me wonder about, like... <laughs> When men read women. Or even, I mean... Women read is, men is a problem, too, though. I was just saying, is right. it just I like mean, a... Yeah, like, when you have somebody crossing genders, is it a problem narration-wise? Simon Vance. I don't... And he, no. I like him in other things. That's the odd part. Oh, yeah. yeah I think Simon about Vance it. is one of the big, yeah. one of the big That's names, That's who too. That's a good... It's a good question mm-hmm. that I don't yeah. know if I have a... I don't have a good example of anyone who's done it so well that I'm like, oh, yeah, um... Yeah, I don't. You know, a good example. Table it. <laughs> well, it's we're going with her uh, with Aaron's um, comments that he, the narrator uh, Everett Fle- Flynn, uh, didn't really change much. Uh, I'll mention Alan Corduner, who my first experience with him was in uh, 
Anna and the Swallow Man. It's kind of a mm. uh, World War II era uh, fiction in which a young girl is taken care of by this, not her father, this guy, the Swallow Man. And they're bouncing back and forth, um, border between like Poland and Russia and Germany and back. They're going, keeping her safe, but it's crazy. But Alan Corduner's narration, it's so wonderfully cadenced and it's, he's got a deep voice. It's just, it's very lovely. But when he voiced her, there was a subtle shift of maybe softness when he voiced the young girl Mm -hmm. without actually changing his tone. Like there was no, like case in point, Bonnie Turpin, first reference, Mm. keep it count. Um, But like Bonnie Turpin (laughs) in Children of Blood and Bone. Oh yeah, no. Like she, when she voices a male character, exquisite, and it's different. When she voices a female character, exquisite, and it's different. Like it's very, she does a good job. I think some, I think that also, this is a theory, I don't really know how true this is, but you know, I don't know. At the risk of sounding <laughs> racist, um, uh, I think like black women get to be tougher or mm-hmm. have to be tougher or whatever that is. And so the idea of narrating a man, if you just go with register, yeah, you know, um, just scream at your children. Or somebody doing something stupid, and boom, male voice. You know, <laughs> like, like I don't know if it, it, I think *Children of Blood* is an interesting example because the men in that book are militaristic. So, what would yeah. it be like if she was writing sort of this erudite, you know, a feat man who is going to university or something? Would it? I don't know. It, I, it, interesting. Yeah. Interesting though, for her when she voiced both both *The Hate You Give* and. Um, Oh, yeah. On the come up. Like, I had to reframe my, my thought process of that book because she's voicing the male characters in the book. And I'm like, Bonnie, girl, why do you got to make them sound like oafs? Like, they just... Well... But then I started <laughs> to realize these are told through the perspectives of 16-year-old girls who are women, and they're generally mocking the male characters they're voicing. Mm. So if I imagine my... Like, just growing up, imagine my sister's talking, pretending to be my dad or pretending to be me, and I'm, like, five years old. I'm like, why do I sound like that? <laughs> but, like, they would make a... Maybe that was a deliberate choice. I don't know. Maybe yeah. someday I'll ask her. Um, yeah. Like, there's going to be a fan fanboy moment if I ever get to meet certain narrators, like... Um, it can't be any worse than the two times that I met David Levison and literally said exactly the same thing, word for word, twice, which would not have been embarrassing except that there was a two-year gap between those. And the second time, he was so tired and so sweaty from having finished a tour that not only did he notice, he commented on it. He goes, yeah, I think you said that to me the last time. And I was like, Sorry. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm just tired. And I'm like, all right, thanks, David. I'm going to go hide in the corner now. <laughs> so I was actually secretly hoping you say, I met him, and now I can't be within 500 miles of him. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't, no. It was, he, he was very nice about it. But I was embarrassed nonetheless because, well, you know, oh. things happen. Think about, like, the physical contact of uh, fans to narrators. I have an audiobook friend who has a photo of her she showed me one time of her hugging Jason Reynolds. They met like oh, yeah. literally like a month before the pandemic. They were at some odd aud- like the Audis Award thing in yeah. New York City and Yeah. She said he was drinking a little, but he was a little well. gregarious. <laughs> well. And I'm like, 
go for it. You know, it's kind Jason Reynolds. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He seems yeah. like he'd be like a warm person just to chill with. Yeah. Um, which Jason Reynolds narrate more. This will never get to you, but please, I hope it does sometime. Narrate more. I mean, it could. If I'll you just, tag him, I'll on just Twitter. tag him on Twitter. Oh, I will. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Don't worry, I won't tag any more fanfic author or any authors upon which you know, are one. people. <laughs> Rule number one. Chris Coffer. <laughs> but yeah, there it, it, it's fascinating what makes a good audiobook. I was about um, to ask is like the narration style what make it one of the reasons it's a good audiobook? Yeah, or is there a print book that you have done in audio that you have hated or an audiobook that you can't stand in print? Exactly. That's oh, a really good question. Audiobook. I have listened to audiobooks that I could not, for some reason, read physically. So, um, Simon vs. Homo Sapiens Agenda and Aristotle's and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. I couldn't get very far in them, reading them physically. And I don't know if that's just because I was in a in that space. I needed to just hear yeah. them. Um, and both of those, by the way, have in- incredible narrators. Lin-Manuel Miranda narrates Aristotle and Dante, and ugh, that man. The only thing he can do wrong is sing. Lin, stop singing. Um, <laughs> Anthony, get out. He, please he don't, please, don't, please don't tag him. Ugh, ta- oh. Tag him. I said what I said <laughs> to quote Linethia Lee. He's getting better. Babe. Baby, don't sing. <laughs> anyway. Did, didn't he sound improved in... in I in like doing it in the heights. Yeah. His voice is improving. I don't... No. <laughs> anyway. It's fine. Um, <laughs> he's an excellent, excellent audiobook narrator. Um, but those two books, for some reason, I like. I, I still haven't actually read the print book versions, just because I'm terrified. I'm like, oh, what if they're not actually as good as I thought they were? Especially, like, Simon was amazing, the audiobook, because of the way that he distinguished between the emails and the narrative, like, vocally, um, was really interesting. Like, I still hear his voice when I hear Simon, even after watching the movie. Like, he just, he captured it. I don't know. There's a, it's kind of a weird, it's a great question. Um, Yeah. Books that I listen to that I couldn't dream of reading in print. Um, but it's also a weird question because like there are some that, okay, this is, because it's outside my general wheelhouse, um, Outlander. Okay. I enjoyed okay. it as a narration, although I'd have to look up who, it, who narrated it again, but it was like one of those narrators, I'm like, oh, don't do men. Just, no, you sounded silly. Um, <laughs> Apparently that's a theme. I mean, it was, I mean, okay. Do you have an example of somebody who does it well? Because you have not actually given one yet. Uh, what, like men or? Oh, like Bonnie. Who does, men who does. Bonnie well, Terrible. Well, well, no, but you just said she does men like elves. No, in those oh, two books. In those two, in those two okay. books. Yeah. In Children's um, Blood and Bone, she's great. She's okay. great. Yeah. But again, they're, they're military men. And the women that she's reading are Divina also. Porter? You know. What else does she narrate? Tough Nigerian women. So they have that sort of spit at you. I just looked on the Amazon of, listing know. and it told me. <laughs> it, you it's sound almost... like you've been yelled at by a black woman before. A few times, you know, <laughs> yeah. growing up, uh, here and there. <laughs> it's it's a hard thing to say because I feel like if they do it well, you don't notice it. That's fair, yeah. Yeah, Which... the, yeah the Song of Achilles narrator, Fraser Douglas, when... There are more women in that narrative because a woman wrote it, but whenever he's reading female characters, they sound as they should. Like, they sound fully characterized, just like the rest of the the characters. But you're also dealing yeah. with a lot of soft men in that book, too. Um, so There's also, that. in my case, like, no Noted soft boy Achilles. No, no, Achilles. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Achilles is not 
He's more of a himbo, obviously. <laughs> but, you know. Okay, the ignorant person over here. What is a himbo? You're, you're very, very kind, but you're very, very stupid. Yeah. But you're also and very you're buff. Also very and you're buff, very, and you're very usually buff. pretty hot. So, buff, Thor. Hot. Um, what was the other Thor. one? Thor. Yeah, Thor. Above, hot, Above, hot, kind, stupid. stupid. Yeah. The so kind Thor, is the, like a big... The kind character. is the inflection. Like you have to have... Like, if you're hot and you're stupid, but you're mean, you're not a himbo. You're not a himbo. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, Thor. Yeah, Thor. It's Thor. Yeah, it's literally Thor. <laughs> Anthony and I have had this discussion. Hot take. Young Robert Crawley. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. Um... More than likely. At me, down face. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even at times, Robert Crawley. Yeah. Has, you know, I have to look at Robert has, Crawley really quick. He has his, uh, Lord Grantham has his moments. Lord Grantham is the family himbo. Yes. When his own mother says, he's a man, men don't have rights, <laughs> in the discussion of his grandchild that no one wants to tell him about. Yeah. Yeah. I think she oh, okay. definitely knows the himbo that she raised. Yeah. <laughs> raised in air. Right. <laughs> so when do we feel that an audiobook calls for like a full cast recording? Never. Versus? Never? Absolutely You're not a fan never. No, I hate full cast audio. Okay. It's huh. unnecessary. If I wanted that, I would go see a play. I would watch a movie. What about I like wanna... a radio drama? No, I would listen to a radio drama. Okay. But the American Gods. <laughs> 10th anniversary edition. Yes, I know. That is one of many full cast audios that have excelled. Um, but and which I love Neil Gaiman. But when I downloaded on Audible that the American Gods and it was narr- narrated by him, despite loving his voice, he I was like does. shoot. I I downloaded the wrong edition. Oh right. Like I, I love him, but I wanted that edition, the sure. the, the full cast audio, yeah. which actually that's kind of a. Wait, did you say American Gods or Sandman? American, American Gods. Gods. Oh okay. It's, and it had some of the actors from the TV show involved into the production, like oh, Ian really? McShane. I was oh, gonna say McDermott, him. but that's Emperor Palpatine. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ian McShane voiced Mr. Wednesday. Yeah. In right. Show and right. Yeah. And and that was really good. I you know, I love when I'm coming across. In fact, when I write when I judge for the Audis, um, my preferred always number one preferred, um, uh, you know, genre is multi-voiced. Or full cast uh, performances or multi-voiced really? audio dramas. Those are my top two. Okay. Logistical question, because I don't listen to audiobooks, and I probably never will. It's not a prejudice thing. Mm. I just read fast. Right. <laughs> In a full cast audiobook, if it's like third person narration, do you just get like the character and then somebody else going penny said or whatever? No, that's actually yeah, frequently Okay. Frequently when it's a full cast thing or multi-voice thing, uh, there's usually um, actually from an audiobook perspective, like a book that I didn't care for was A.S. King's Dig. And I kind of want to reread it again just to remember why didn't I like it after all? Like I mm-hmm. like I can remember a lot, but I can remember not liking it. Yeah. But the narration, there were uh, Kirby Hayborn, I'm trying to think all the narrators in that, but the author A.S. King narrated as she, she was the the narrator. Oh, that's interesting. So she provided the, the that narration, whereas when it got into the characters, then the other actors took they over. Took, okay. It's very meta take. Um, it, it, it was pretty neat. Well, actually, also in the Testaments was another multi-voice kind of thing, where because it told the perspective of um, from um, Baby Nicole. If anyone's reading, if watches the show, uh, there's Baby Nicole who they secreted out of 
Gilead, but she's a 16-year-old, 17-year-old in this book. She has her own voice actress, uh, Aunt Lydia, the evil aunt. She has her own voice actress, who is all portrayed by the actress in the TV show as well. Right. But Margaret Atwood went to work as the narrator. Interesting. She did a pretty good job, too. Did she? Okay. I was... Like and that's a that's a book I that would be an example of a book that I might not want to read. Like I was engaged in it enough, but I think the performances of the individual voices kept you know, me. Someone who never did her own audiobooks, who I think should have, because I've watched many videos where she's done live readings or in uh, the documentary that they did towards the end of her life, she reads all of the sections. Um, from the different books that they talk about over the course of the documentary, mm-hmm. Ursula K. Le Guin has the most delicious, earthy voice for her own work. She knows exactly how she meant that sentence to sound out loud, and she reads it that way. And so I can't listen to anyone else read Earthsea. I've tried. And I get really angry because I'm like, no, all of the cadences are wrong. That's not how you're supposed to read that sentence. You're supposed to read it like this because that's how Ursula read it. Which, and that's how Ursula wrote it. Like, it's not just a case of like, oh, you know, you can read interpret it your own way. No, 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 you cannot. It was written this way. Read it that way. Okay, but is that um, not kind of a books belong to their readers kind of thing? That's fair. I will also say, I'll use this moment to say that Toni Morrison... <laughs> like halfway through her career decided to listen at random to one of her I don't remember which audiobook it was it may have been Beloved and she's like you know it was done by first like first rate actresses great people then I started to listening to it and I thought oh god oh no 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 that's wrong the yeah. breath goes here not there follow the sentence so then she re-recorded every single one of her books from beginning and I was like first of all queen status <laughs> I respect it. And second of all, she is so good at reading her own work. Um, Maya Angelou has read quite a bit of her own oh, work, well, too. Yeah. Exquisite. I mean, she's an actress. I mean, she would... I mean, it's Maya Angelou. Yeah. Right. You know, actually, I also... Yeah. Ray Bradbury narrated a copy of Fahrenheit 451 that I finally got a hold of not too long ago, a few oh. months ago. And it was wonderful. Mm. Contrasting. And this kid, we I think we t- at some point in the back room we talked about like actors that voice that narrate audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I liked him Robbins, but he was narrating uh, Fahrenheit four five one uh, that I wasted a credit on uh, on Audible, <laughs> and it was passable. I like the I like the guy, but it was passable narration until he voiced the character of Captain Beatty in that story. Mm-hmm. Immediate pause. It didn't even go a full 10 seconds of like hearing him voice that character. I cannot, will not, dare not listen to that character mm-hmm. anymore. And yeah. I did actually go back later on. Just I'm like, was it really that bad? Feel like, great, great. No, no, no. Full minute, full minute. I can't last a full minute. It was awful. Um, yeah. But you, there's even a, um, a preference. The, the Audis are a good starting point for a lot of discussions. There's a category, and I put it as my preferences, one of my preferences this year. Um, Books narrated by the author. Yeah. And which. That's. It's. And you've heard me, I love Louise Erdrich. Yes. But she is an author. I. I know it's important that she wants to tell her own stories, but I don't like her narration. I love her work. 
Yeah, because there's a sense, you know, here's the thing that I find very interesting about authors reading their own work. Um, 9.9 out of 10 times they shouldn't. I mean, you know, Neil Gaiman, Jason Reynolds, Toni Morrison, have at it. Because they're great at it. Yeah. They, I, Toni's great because she, like, was in the drama department when she mm-hmm. was in college. So she learned how, she learned all the tools of how to read something out loud. Yeah. Neil Gaiman must have, at some point, sat down with some people. Because he has a lot of actor friends and he's, and he was in a rock band. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's... The thing that people don't really understand about audiobook narration, the reason that they hire actors is because reading something out loud for it to sound dramatically interesting is a skill set mm-hmm. that yeah. actors practice all day long, every day. I mean, that's their that's the whole It point. makes me wonder, though, and I feel like we were talking on this a little bit, uh, kind of touching on this topic. There are actors, Tim Robbins, has he done stage work before? I don't know. Um, versus, hold on, he won, who is Baron Mordo in Doctor Strange, the film? Scheitel, wait. Baron, oh, she would tell Ijeofor? Thank you, both of you. Um, uh, Susanna Susanna Clark's Piranesi Mm. was the audiobook of the year narrated by him. Interesting. Which, I mean, of course, I've only seen him in a movie. And he has a lovely voice in a movie, but didn't yeah, he do stage right. before he ever went? She would tell? I, maybe. It makes me wonder a little probably, bit. Probably. He also just has one of those great voices, because um, he's mm-hmm. also a voice actor. He um, yeah. was Shere Khan. Scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> um, and I always thought Shere Khan was kind of a joke, you know, in the animated, but... To... No, that yeah. was Idris. Whoop. <laughs> Cross my half. Yep. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying, trying to go back. I'm like, wait a minute. I did they can't take away your fanboy card for that? Yeah. She would tell did voice act something. I just don't remember. Oh, oh, it was that crappy Lion King. Oh, never mind. Oh, we won't. I take yeah. it back. <laughs> the live action. Yeah, I take it all back. For your answer, he was in the National Youth Theater. For, okay. Um, and then he... This is a UK boy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And so he also attended the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. Yep, so that, he well, did that, do that'll yeah, do it. That. He did stage things in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, he literally has the degree. Because <laughs> I know that, I'm trying to think what category, but Lawrence Fishburne won. Oof, voice. Which, and he does have a lovely voice, but voice. like, I, I haven't listened to it, but I've heard from other audiobook friends of mine, they're like, okay, great voice. But there were better people that, like, other books, uh, narration that was nominated for that mm-hmm. same award. Yeah. And they're like, why didn't they win? Mm. I mean, and there even was some chatter on Twitter about, like, you know, look, Lawrence, you're great, but. Interesting. Which I, I don't know much about, like, about him. Is he a stage actor or was he strictly, like, film and yeah, TV? He was, he was a stage actor before because um, he did some August Wilson stuff, I think. Um, there's also kind of a, a dark, the, the underbelly of audiobook production, which I didn't really Ooh, think about it. there's an underbelly? Oh, no, it's, it's not really. Oh, it's behind the right. scenes. It's the tech side of things. This is the iceberg um, meme now? Oh, the tech people. Oh, well, yeah. Because you have, like, um, Caitlin Gehring. She's actually, when I realized she follows me on Twitter um, about a year ago, I swooned because she's a big name in the audiobook industry. Oh. And I got, like, oh, I love you, Caitlin. <laughs> um, but she's... Oftentimes, director of audiobook producer, like she's actually gotten quite a few awards in recent years for finding, like, 
vocal representation, and that's a topic we could talk about as well. Mm. I was about um, to ask about that. Because like she produced Concrete Rose, and she's really good at finding books that the voice is not only does the actor actress represent the character's uh, ethnicity or cultural background, but like I mean, and when she steps into the director's chair too. Um, like she's her books are usually wonderful the books she produced there have been books like um, I'm trying to think uh, Angelus Sage's it's a long title The Enchanter's Child um, oh. Fiona Hardingham narrated it and she was exquisite but there were times when I'm listening to it like Fiona picks up like an unnaturally fast pace like the first time I'm like did I hit the button to like go one two five like one and a quarter one and a half speed no it's just it's sped up a little bit and I'm wondering um, was that a mistake on Fiona's part, or was that the producer slash director not saying, "Hey, slow down"? Mm. Like, there's some little um, every now and then, like a voice, like a friend of mine. We love, um, like I love uh, the one and only Bob, mm-hmm. narrated oh. by Danny DeVito. Oh right. Now she's like, not only does he sound phlegmy, the audio sounds a little tinny too, and like. There's I don't think so much you can do with Danny DeVito's voice, <laughs> but it's like, is it a recording error for the tinny part, um, like mm. the technology? Maybe. Whereas it might be. Let's be honest, the Flemmy part—it's Danny DeVito. Yeah, it's Danny. Yeah, right. but I argue that Flemmy kind of Danny DeVito ness quality to the character of a little spunky stray dog that's adopted. You know, Wait, I, what kind of dog is it? It's a mutt. Oh well, yeah. Well, it'll right. fit it right yeah. in yeah, there. You, you don't get any. Like in his, he's like. <laughs> I'm a mutt at undetermined heritage, maybe a little bit of Papillon. I can't be sure, you know. Okay, that's a really awful Danny DeVito. Actually, it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> to go along with the uh, recording equipment making it sound tinny, the recording area is also something that yeah. needs to be taken into account. Yeah. Too. Because, yeah. especially like now with like pandemic things that have happened, mm-hmm. um, what I've learned from the voice acting industry itself is a lot of times, Unless they go out specifically to that studio, a lot of things are just recorded inside their own home. Yep. So really, oh, yeah. yeah so right. anime, like oh. a lot of things are just recorded inside the person's house. Unless they live close enough to like Funimation Studios or whichever like big time studio that they go to. Really. Then they'll go to the studio itself or have to fly out there, or they just record it inside their house. And yep. I'm wondering if. That's very similar to audiobooks. I don't know personally, but if it is, then the recording space also has to do with it. And because you mentioned the equipment, the equipment of the person recording, like, yes, they could have like all the money in the world, but like if they don't have the right kind of recording equipment, it could make it sound. Did you soundproof your space? Like, that's a thing. And then. On top of that, sending those files over, which means compression, which means a lot of technical yeah. talk in there. Mm-hmm. So that audio gets compressed, and then it gets sent somewhere else, which gets compressed again, which gets, like, over and over and over again. So there could be some audio distortion within that to make it sound that way. There's, I'd, have to, I'd have to refer to it, but um, earlier in the year, the Ears on the Odyssey, someone did a one of the contributors did a uh, interview of Dion Graham and he I, I'd have to go back and read it again but he talked about recording at home over the past year during you know throughout the pandemic because mm-hmm. like everything got shut down but he was like you know I still had work sure right yeah which he said we can't do it in a studio you know we do it in our homes right now in contrast I mean Concrete Rose um, I can't 
confirm, but given the timing, and I imagine yeah. he probably recorded that in his home. Probably. Yeah, more than likely. Um, he, but given how professional of a voice actor he is, I'd like to imagine that he has a nice setup, maybe in his home. Oh, or right, they sent him one, like, hey, we're going to install this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Depends on the company. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's always that, too, because publishers don't... Flesh out unless make, they know you're... They don't make a lot of money from audiobooks, period. Not every book gets an audiobook for that reason. But that's so. also a corporation thing. Do corporations really want to send out equipment? Well, I, yeah. Without I mean, getting it's, it but back? It's a, but it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a thing. Like, it's a prestige thing. Like, if, yeah. if the publisher knows, for example, that you're recording the latest Rick Riordan book... They'll they send might you send you stuff. And you'll get a simultaneous release date with the print. Right, yeah. And also, it's Disney Hyperion. So, like, money is not a problem. Yeah. But if you're, you know, the latest Penguin Random House debut novel, you know, if you, if your agent managed to negotiate audiobook rights, most standard, at least it was this way a few years ago, it may have changed, but... Most standard audiobook clauses in um, debut fiction contracts are the publisher gets to decide when. Like they might go, yeah, sure, we'll do an audiobook for you, and then they'll just sit on it for you know years, a year or something. And it's like, oh, this book is popular. Let's do an audiobook. Yeah, you know, it just they it's it just depends on who you are and what your deal is and that whole thing. Actually, I'm thinking about like something else triggered the thought, and I was looking up like what her full name was but the author of What the Eyes Don't See um, the Flint Water Crisis Dr. Mona yeah we got the 15,000 uh, copies still upstairs okay. yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and she narrated her own book interesting and a doctor she did a fantastic job narration in, of narrating her own book and I did comment on like her Twitter account she said oh it was a great learning experience a lot of love a lot of uh, you throat you know, yeah. so much throat coat. Sure, lozenges. Yeah. However, you, I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. And I, I remember reading a tweet by Talia Levine. She wrote a uh, culture warlords, a uh, deep dark dive into like white supremacy on the web. Oh yeah. Oof. That was Ooh. an ugly book. Wonderful book. Like it just like. <laughs> see now I'm gonna have to listen to that book now. <laughs> she did a good job narrating it too, um, and she's fun to follow on Twitter too. But. I also was thinking other other Jason Reynolds reads his few things out there. Ibram X. Kendi mm-hmm. reads his stuff. I think um, Long Way Down and Stamped are the only two that Jason, of his that Jason has actually read mm-hmm. for on his own. He needs to do more. Uh-huh. He had a good voice. I think long, he explained, I don't remember when or where, but he explained with Long Way Down the reason he did it is because it's a novel in verse, and so he felt that he wasn't acting so much as it's like spoken word almost he could just you know you just go Um, and Stamp's probably the same thing right he's not doing characters and and that kind of thing he's just reading Jason on the page poetry would you even want I mean granted like it's different for a poet who is dead but like a current living poet who gets an audiobook do you want anybody else to be doing the recording of that honestly I wouldn't think so because living poets I mean if you want to go to a good reading go to see a poet read because novelists Cassandra Clare girl you can write your face off but if you ever read ever again to me (laughs) 
<laughs> I will throw one of your books at you. I think that's assault. That's uh, okay. That's not fine. But it was so bad. Internally, he, they're it going to throw was, the book. It was so Internally. well. It was that bad. Like we were in a Presbyterian church with high ceilings, and I was sitting all the way in the back, clutching my copy of Clockwork Prince. Like I'm a clock her with this. Like I cannot. <laughs> like it was so. Well, of all the ones, that one's not the thickest, honestly. So that's true. But it was just bad. It was bad. Like I was like, honey, we don't need a reading. Can we do Q and A, please? Can we do? It was so. I, I, oh. Oh. Okay. I'm done. Sorry. Again, I love the books. She's a girl. Okay. She's a good writer. Keep doing that. Okay. Don't ever read. We're it. running short on time, and I really I want it to be my turn to play devil's advocate for once. <gasps> yes! Wait, yes! Yes! Can I wait? Time? I have one more. Th- I, okay. A name that came in, a narrator that came into mind that did a pretty good job. Uh, a male narrator specifically, George Gadol. Oh well, you know he's the voice of audiobook narration. He's Still. like it, it clicked when I was thinking about like a, the, the when I was going through the Dark Tower series. Like he did a good job of voicing women. Didn't he do Game of Thrones too? I. Can't recall. I'm pretty sure he does Game of Thrones. Yeah. I need Jen to give her like. I am right. curious to see. Go. Do audiobooks even count as reading? Oh my! <laughs> Is that that's your that's your question? It's Roy. Oh wait, was she talking? Why should I even read um, an audiobook? I can read faster than those people talk. I mean, now that's a fair now that's a fair assessment. No, For it lends well to the topic of. Well, well I mean, when you go grocery shopping, you could plug in. You don't have to hear the people breathing in Walmart. I wear my mask. I, mean, I don't like, have to hear them breathing. But also, now. I think the thing, like, everybody listens to audiobooks differently, too. Yeah. Um, some people listen to it at that 125, 1.5 speed because, yeah, maybe their brain is processing information that quickly, but also because it you just need something mm-hmm. on, and that serves as much as a podcast or as much as a, anything else, and you're still getting that narrative satisfaction that you would get if you were reading the physical copy of the book. And you, again, and you don't have to stop. You don't have to sit still. You can wash your clothes or your dishes or iron or whatever you need to do in the evening and still get your reading in. Or drive, you know. Which, that's um, how I got my start, was I was commuting to eastern Michigan from Jackson, and someone just, it, it, my former supervisor, Sarah, she's like, Andy, you need to do this, do this. Because I'm like, I'm getting bored. I hate the drive. She's do this, do this. And of course, it was that girl on the spider's web, which is to music. I understand. That's the point of driving is like, like you listen to music and you vibe. This like, is what Beyonce is for. But and we're talking I ninety four. I ninety four is a different kind of beast. I ninety four um, is for show tunes. As a person who does I ninety four is for all the single ladies. And when that fails, pop on some Survivor. I mean, right. there's a Beyonce song for every highway. I mean, I don't understand <laughs> yeah. this prop. Like, what? What? Yeah. The amount of times I've gone into the the unknown on I-94. Uh, hello? Uh, well, it, that's I-94. <laughs> Honestly, that would be a fun coffee table book. Like, Which one? The Highways of America by way of Beyonce song. Yes! Oh my god! Yes! <laughs> oh, I would die. Oh. Yes, narrated by Beyonce Carter. <laughs> Actually, I want you to narrate a book. Which, Actually, Grant, I mean, you would be... The short stories... What about them? We're going to read them, right? We're going to take turns reading. No, we're going to read them ourselves and then. Oh yeah, wait! No, oh we should read wait! Excerpt. Are we reading excerpts? We should, we should read. Oh yeah, because they're going to be from dead people mostly. Copyright, copyright laws. They're well, dead. in the public domain. They're, it can last after their death. What if we change a few? It lasts about po- ninety years after they okay, die. Okay, you're telling me that someone holds the copyright to Nathaniel Hawthorne? Not necessarily Nathaniel Hawthorne, depending on edition things. 
Oh, because a publisher oh, could true. totally hold a copyright on an edition. That's true. Uh, yeah, this this uh, all right. Well, we're gonna hear your voice. You're gonna sing smoothly. He'd it's actually be. He would actually narrate Poe really well. I think. I could hear. Yeah, um, I could hear. As weird as it sounds, for a while when I was like a pretty young kid, I did want to be a voice actor. <clears throat> oh my god! I could, just kind of one of my early aspirations, I guess. So geeky moment. Speaking of audiobooks, my first audiobook was Darth Maul Shadowhunter. I don't even know who reads it. I don't even want to know who reads it. It's not exceptional by any means, but I listened to it like 15 times as a 12-year-old because I was obsessed. But the second audiobook that I ever listened to was myself. I had a tape recorder. It was my mom's tape recorder from the 80s. She was so embarrassed every time I whipped that thing out to use it. Um, and I did like full blown production. Like I had music, I had sound effects, yeah. audio I had drama. Me, you know. <laughs> we need to do the radio thing. And I was so good. <laughs> I'll have to bring you some. I read the entire Narnia, Narnia series, recorded it on audiobook. Um, I've learned who narrated it, but I won't tell okay, you yeah, unless you want it. I mean, I have it. That could. Well, I also Dempsey. No. Wait. That's no. a red cloak of deception, which is a star. Anyways, book that, Nathaniel yeah. Hawthorne is public domain, but it's only because he's been dead for a hundred years. Yes. Author's life plus like seventy-five to ninety years is copyright anymore. Oh, that's right. Um, cool. So yeah. Anyway, you know, we could revisit the idea of um, actually going to work and adapting um, *Christmas Carol*. I think or yeah. I think a radio like drama. A Christmas radio play for us. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that would be dear, dear listeners, you might hear this in the future. So, you know, welcome to Do our you brain. That? Tell us. <laughs> welcome to our brainstorm session. <laughs> no, that could be like a cool YouTube video as well. Yeah, this really deep. I mean, YouTube. Like we could do like it, like we could have a little thing like stage it, have like the papers we throwing them down like they do in old. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in the back like tapping on two blackboards <coughs> to make horseshoe noises. Yeah. Coconuts. <laughs> yeah. But yes, reading an audiobook counts as reading, or listening to an audiobook counts as reading. Yes, it does. Because, especially if you get the unabridged version. It just, I, I, I put even in the, the Google Doc description, there was that, it was a few months ago, some educator on Twitter um, oh, yeah. reported, I mean, it, it came out on that this educator was only giving 30 or 40% credit to students who read, who listened to an audiobook versus reading the physical book. And of course, library, yeah, what? <laughs> library Twitter exploded, went to work dragging this educator, which... As they should. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, 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 this, the academic work is out there. Like, listening to a book is the same. Yeah, I mean, Because for me, the whole... What's the whole purpose of reading a book other than to absorb, you know, the text? It doesn't really... To me, anyways, it doesn't really matter how you right. absorb it. Yeah, there's yeah. this pris- there's this really prissy, ridiculous uh, notion that you know, reading um, alone with the book, you and just the text. There's some higher whatever that your mind is achieving, and it's like no, it's just different. It's not higher, you know. David Foster Wallace. Um, it's just because he was the one who kind of said this, and it was really annoying and stupid and high. He was an annoying person in general. He, he was. He wasn't Jonathan Franzen, but he was. Yeah, David Foster Wallace had his moments. Um, it's just it's that that but that kind of thinking exists yeah. all yeah. over the place where people are just like, oh, it's not real reading, and it's like, well, those people are wrong. 
and First you can refer all, them to us. Do you know what it takes to read a script? <laughs> do you know what it takes? No, you don't know. So hush. Well, okay. All here's right. a question that I think about, like a personal thing. Like some people say, what gets you into audiobook? What got me into audiobooks? When I really found myself like, yes, I'm an audiobook fan, <laughs> was when I realized. And it was coinciding about the time when I started getting into theater mm-hmm. that I like listening to the performances. Like, even if I don't like, if there are some books out there that I don't think I would have listened, read, had I not been listening to them. The Starless Sea. Hit. <laughs> I know that one. What's the other? Which that had such a great cast. Um, Fates and Furies. Oh yeah, Lauren Roth. Yeah, yeah. Um, good narration, but I. Without the narration, I wouldn't have finished those two books. Like they were just—that's interesting. Um, and I'm sure there are other books out there like that. I, I can't think of them all right now. But yeah. you know what gets people? Like we talked commute. Sometimes you're doing chores. But what makes you? Because I know you listen to audiobooks occasionally. What draws you to listen to? Like what made you listen to Blood and Bone? Was it me talking or someone else talking? Oh well, I mean you'd said Bonnie Turpin a million times, and I hadn't picked up the physical copy, so I was like, all right, let's see how. Sometimes I just like to see what it sounds like because I'm not in a physical reading mood. Right. Um, so it's nice to just switch that on and. I like to just lay down and listen to audiobooks, and I, I don't particularly. I'm not Cinderella, so I don't clean house well. But it's sometimes nice to like lay down and like not have a book to hold open while I'm reading, and have someone reading to you. And when the performance is Bonnie Turpin level, then it's even more extraordinary. It's like, oh, this is really like involving. But I always, I mean, I still feel like I'm reading the way I would read if I was physically reading because my brain just is attuned to I love yeah. the play of language and if the, if the language is sloppy I can tell I don't care how good the, the act the actor can be incredible but I mean but I, that happens to me when I'm watching movies animated and like I you know it's like ooh great job Mark Hamill but someone messed up that Joker line cause that's not good writing like you can you can always just you can hear it it's also the benefit when you're listening to an audiobook, particularly if you're listening to it on your phone or a mobile device. Um, you can set it across the room, and if you could eat spaghetti, dear listeners, you can eat spaghetti, and it's not going to get all over the book. It's not going to come in the book drop covered in fraud. Jeez. <clears throat> yeah. I, I did find a book in the donations with ramen. In the store. Oh, so it, it happens. It happens. Yeah, gentlemen. it does happen. Of course. Oh, I repressed that until right now. <laughs> that'll Your never, face did listen, That'll never. That'll never be yeah. the time. That wasn't it moldy. I'm pretty sure Ooh, it, was it was moldy. It was moldy. It was so gross. That that'll never be the it time. Like that, a, the wheel a of time. It looked like someone had thrown up. Yes. The wheel I think of time I'm books came back. All <laughs> Just by the mental image. At that point, because there weren't 14 yet, but all 12, of, no, 11 had come back, and every single one of them from 1 to 11 was stuffed with cat hair. Like it looked Good. like someone <laughs> stuffed their cat in every single one of those books, and it, the cat hair is protruding at you. Like they could have, like each book had its own beard. I don't think each, I could touch that. And, yeah, and this is a wheel of time. What? Yeah. Like, like thick. Like physically, I, I, mean, I you know. am now more traumatized than I was like two seconds ago. Like physically, I'm just like I'm having an allergy attack. Thank you. Yeah, that was my first encounter with like how people return library books who aren't me, and then the can, casual can, nature in which the person in charge of the cataloging department at that library was like, "Oh well, I guess we'll have to reorder these." And I was like, 
all 11 of them? She's like, oh, yeah, we've had this happen plenty of times before. You should have seen the time that they returned with Cat P. And I was like, you know what, ma'am? I, I don't know if I want to work here anymore. Um, this didn't is we a do lot. the smack instead? There was yes. a... There, there was... I am fully aware of what cat urine on books looks like. Ugh. Not to mention cat urine that we are very sure, without being a veterinarian, that that cat has a UTI. Oh, oh no. Oh, okay. Smack. Aaron. Aaron, read it. <laughs> I have three different ones. Do you want the um, love interest version? Oh. Do you want the superhero version? Or do you want the fictional mother's version? Oh, fictional, fictional mothers. mothers. Yeah. Um, so I've chosen Molly Weasley, mm-hmm. Aunt May, <laughs> Spider-Man, or Sally Jackson. Wait, wait. wait fictional mothers. Cersei's mom. Uh, Which fictional like ver- version of Aunt May are we talking? Are we talking uh, uh, oh, MCU? No. Which May? version do you want? <laughs> oh no. Because that could change things. We go Tobey Maguire, Aunt May. Actually, I think we should go with um, MCU. MCU. That's so where Marissa I was Tomei, originally right? going. But if you yeah. wanted to go off into the so distance, so first of all, you wait. Who was the first one? Molly Mary Molly. Molly. Molly you... It's Molly Weasley, you... Aunt Mary Molly, Molly, or Sally Jackson. Snog Aunt May. Yeah. And what was it? Sally Jackson. Yeah, you, you oh, she gone. Are you yeah, going to send her to Tartarus again? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you always kill Sally Jackson. I'm sorry. I loathe Sally Jackson. Um, sorry. Erin, are you does hearing she get, that right does, now? She, does she get better? Cause yes. I, oh, yes. Well, I'm sorry. Character development in those first five, I couldn't I couldn't stand her at all. I just didn't like Did her. Did you read? I, 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 I. Dear she listeners, Jack's about to throw down. She, she had a smart mouth. She didn't get into a fight with the person we thought she was going to. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listeners, she is currently and traveling my mother has a smart life. <laughs> so that was, you know. We were geared for an Andy Chen fight today. For like multiple years by book one. Oh, that's right. I hated the, the stepdad too. Smelly Gabe. Yeah, see, that was the other thing. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I have a... I'm very much like a Medea person where it's like, girl, grit ball or get out. Like, let's go. Like, grab the pan, grab the grits, beat him, let's go. But she can't because then Percy would have died. Wait, what? The whole entire reason that she saved him. Because he stunk enough that the monsters couldn't find Percy and kill him at a young age. Oh, she can't find a smelly man who doesn't abuse her? No, because those men don't smell. Wait, what? Literally, uh, he was such a bad person okay, that first the smell all, he gave off that's was not the reason true that. At all, but I understand that the fictional aspect of things. I get it. I get it. I just the I fictional aspect ever, of the world is the yeah, worst person okay. you are. The worst you smell. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just didn't appreciate. What's your take on this? Snug Molly Weasley, Mary Sally Jackson, kill Aunt May because I've never seen Spider Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I need for you to Google Marissa Tomei. <laughs> I know what she looks like. I've never seen Spider Man. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you look like. What's your personality? How do you vote? What are your bank statements? Oh, that's right. Are you gonna put? Are you gonna put poor Peter through more emotional trauma than he already has? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're. Oh, well, yeah. But then the same could be said of Percy. Yeah. You ever see that meme online where it's like? So really, Molly should be the one to go because the Weasleys will be fine without Molly. No, they won't. Will they? Jay Jonah Jameson saying, "Hey, Peter, what's you know what my favorite brand of rice is?" And Peter's like, "I don't know." Uncle Ben. Yeah. 
What? Are you, are, there's this meme online where it's J. Jonah Jameson from... It's JJJ. Spider-Man, the... the from the Daily Bugle. The editor. Oh, Looks yeah. at Peter and goes, Hey, do you know what my favorite brand of rice is? Uncle Ben's. And then it's a picture of Toby, like, in tears. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Anthony's face right now. And with that, dear listeners... Maybe I should have chosen music. a different one. Aaron, what's the love interest one? The love interest one was uh, Peter Four and Edward. Kill four. Oh, first of all, you kill four. You kill four. All day long. Oh, I do think I like four. You marry, I literally just Pinteresting these You things. marry four and you snog Edward until your lips freeze. You marry who? Did I say four? You did. Peter. Ooh, sorry. Go for it.